The scripture reading this morning will come from Joshua 7, verses 1 through 12. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they, when they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about three thousand men went up. But they were rooted by the men of Ai, who killed about thirty-six of the men. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring the people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been rooted by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and swipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have violated my covenant which I have commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things and have stolen what they, and they lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with your, you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to, your, to destruction. Good morning. It is good to see you all this morning. We've uh, we have a week getting to say goodbye to Nell yesterday and and remember our brother Severo on Tuesday, but uh, and to remember how much we loved them and they loved us. Get to cherish them in our hearts. Caleb's getting good at hollering, isn't he? But while we're in the middle of that, let's have a prayer together, and then we'll get into our lesson this morning. Our Father and our God, we come to you humbly, knowing that we need you, knowing that you have given us our lives. Each day, you bless us with. And Father, as we in these days remember our precious brother and sister, we're grateful for Nell, who she was, and all that we got to see in her life. We ask your blessing and comfort upon her family. And Father, we're, we're very thankful that we had Severo among us as a brother, a 
And Father, we're going to miss both of them so very much. We ask that you'll continue to be with those who love them, their families. That you'll give them strength and comfort in each day. Help us, Father, as we as we remember them and help us to lean on each other and upon you knowing that this life isn't intended to be all that is and that what waits for us as well is a life that is even so much more glorious because of what you give us through your son Jesus help us to live today Father with that hope for the joy of your promises. For through Jesus we pray. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. There was a fellow named Don Travell who served in the Air Force a few years back. And his job was pretty much working radar stations. And he was stationed one time in Florida. Now where this radar station that he worked that was jointly operated by the Air Force and the Navy. You go to this airport and civilization, but then you took this dirt gravel road out into the trees and around to where you were just out there seemingly in the middle of nowhere. And it was out of the way, so hardly anybody had been out there. One day he stepped out to stretch his legs and, and take a break, and he looked and there was a couple guys over by a little now a ditch for them would be different than us. They were over by a ditch, and they were he was gonna walk over and say, Y'all aren't supposed to be in this over here. This is a restricted area. But they were waving for him to come over. And as he got over there, what they showed him was about a ten or twelve foot alligator sitting there in that ditch. It, a little area had wallowed out and, and uh, he was sitting there in that water just right there. And he was watching that alligator thinking, We have to watch because you know an alligator can hurt you pretty good if you're not paying attention. He can get you good. He's standing there watching this alligator just right there that close and realized that his legs were on fire. Not literally, but they felt like they were on fire. And he looked down and found out that he'd been standing in the middle of a fire ant mound. Now, which one was the greater danger to him? Sometimes we get so focused on the big thing over there that's way over there that might be and forget what's right there under our feet. I mean, when we hear a news story about a shark attack and somebody being injured or, or possibly even dying because of a shark attack, it gets our attention. But how many of us pay attention when we hear about somebody who's caught some disease because of a mosquito, which happens at a far greater rate than shark attacks? You know, those big things catch our attention. They get us to, to think about what's going on, but the little things happen more often and maybe can sneak up on us without us being aware. Now, in Joshua, we find the people of Israel. They've had a good streak going. You know when you've had a streak of, of your favorite team that's just winning and winning and winning over and over again? You get used to how things are going, and Israel is in that kind of role. They've had things going on, and they've been able, on the other side of the Jordan, they've been victorious over and over and over again. They get on this side of the Jordan, and they've, they've been able, because of God, they've been able to conquer Jericho. And so they look out across, and the next little place coming up and emphasize a little place is Ai over there. Now, Ai is a little place. And you, you heard in the reading, 
So I don't take everybody over there. It's just a few people. Two or three thousand people can go over there and handle that without any problem. But what happens when he sends the two or three thousand? They found out that little place was a lot more dangerous than they had expected. And something wasn't working right. Even though they knew. They said, look, this is all that it ought to take. Something wasn't right in all of it. And when they get up there, they're routed by the men of Ai. And 36 dies. And the 36 die, and the everybody in response is afraid. Because when you think about it, they're standing in the middle of, of a territory where all the other people there are looking at them and thinking, they're coming into our home. And now, if little AI can defeat them in battle, everybody else can go, if AI can beat them, we can do it. And they're going to get, they're going to put them in a bad spot because they're not just going to pack up and go back, back across the Jordan. That's not an easy task. They're kind of stuck. And it scares them to death about what it's going to be. And so we hear they, their hearts melt in fear. And Joshua cries out to God, Oh, if only we'd stayed on the other side. I, when you read this, I don't know if you hear the same thing as I hear. It almost sounds like echoes of the generation before when they're wandering around the wilderness going, if only we'd stayed back in Egypt. At least there we had things to eat. And Joshua, you hear this as, oh, if we'd only stayed over there and just settled and been content with that little bit. But here, you know, you brought us over to this and now we're going to be destroyed. And so when you think about that, they put themselves in that spot where they, they see the fear of what's going to be. Now, what is it that caused the problem? Why in the world could they defeat Jericho, march around it? The walls come down. They're able to go in and just slaughter everyone there. Why couldn't they have that victory? But they go to little AI and they're just routed. They, they can't stand up against a smaller enemy. Why would that be? Because of a little thing. If you read the description, Achan sees some things he's excited about. Beautiful robe, he says, 200 shekels of silver, a bar of gold. Oh, he says, they, I, I thought those would be nice to have, he says. But this is a small enough thing that they are. he's able to take them, dig a hole, and bury them inside his tent. It's not a big thing. It's not, it's not like he had a wheelbarrow full of things and he takes them and he said, we're going to put these and lay a blanket over on top. This is a small enough batch of things that he's able to bury them in the ground and keep them hidden. No big deal. They just conquered a whole big city. How much did they pull out of that city for God? This is just a little bitty part. But in that little bit, because of that... That little thing caused them the problem. And in fact, if, if we look at it from God's perspective, God says, this isn't a little thing. This wasn't something that they should be unconcerned about. This was something that mattered. Because the way God describes it, verse 10, Israel has sinned they, Israel, and violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things, the things that belong to God, and they have stolen, they have lied, they have put them with their own possessions. Do you all catch that list? He says, this wasn't, he just took a few things and buried it. They've stolen, they've lied, they've put them with their own possessions. And that's why they cannot stand against their enemies. 
says, God says, this isn't just a little few things. This is something that we need to pay attention to, that they should be pay attention to and not treat it as some little thing. It's something for God. The, the reason they lost that battle with Ai is because God wasn't with them anymore. They, they defeated Jericho because God was there. They defeated every enemy on the other side of the Jordan because God was with them. Without God, there was nobody they're going to be able to stand against. With God on their side, nobody could stand against them. And because of what had been done, because of Achan taking those few things, now they put themselves in a spot where God's no longer with them. They couldn't stand. The question for us is, how much of Achan's attitude might we see in ourselves? How much do we talk about little things as being no big deal? It seems little to us. So how often when we have something little, oh, you know, it's just, it's just a few words. It's no big deal. No harm, no foul. No big deal. It's it's just a little thing. I I had a really good reason for it. You know, it's just no big deal. And you hear and listen to us talk and what do we do? We take something that, that we know is wrong and we talk about it as it's really nothing to get worried about, nothing Nothing to make a fuss over. It's no problem. And what we do in those words is we echo the same thing that Achan felt. It's just a few little things. Look at all the things we're giving to God. It's just a few little things. And for us, to, what we call little, we need to be aware. What we may call little, God says, we need to take this more seriously. This isn't something little in the sense of that we can dismiss it. We need to call it what it is. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And not talk about that it's inconsequential, that it's no big deal. The thing is, is it may feel small to us, but it has a bigger impact. It has a big impact on us, and our lives has a big impact on the people around us. Look at the impact it had for Israel, for Achan. Because for Achan... You know, if we believe little things are inconsequential, Achan will testify now that little things matter. And so Achan, after they've gone through all the people, and instead of speaking up at the beginning, said, this is what's happened. We're going to go through everybody by lot. And they start paring down. I would have thought that Achan would have been standing there going, oh, they're getting closer to me. Uh Uh-oh, there's fewer of us and they're getting closer to me. Uh Uh-oh, we're almost to me. And he waits till the last moment when he's chosen to find out where Joshua says, all right, just admit the truth. What'd you do? And so finally he admits the truth. And Joshua has to tell him, why did you bring so much trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. And so they stone him. They stone him to death. What, what Achan might have said was some little thing cost him his life. Not just because he took it, because he lied about it. He, he would belong to God and, and so much of that, that the word, all that he had going on had a higher cost than what he could have ever imagined. And, and I think for us, when we look at things the same way, when we realize what we might dismiss as a little thing can have, pay, have a higher price that cost us. Jesus says, when we, when we talk about our words, how often do we dismiss our words as no big deal? What we might say that we shouldn't have said. 
said, oh, it's just words. I didn't really mean it. And Jesus says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. And we, we may think, oh, it wasn't any big deal. And God says it was a big deal. That the words we speak, the things we just so easily toss out from our mouths, God will come back and say, this wasn't what ought to be. That we'll have to pay the price for it. What we may call little, God takes seriously. But if you look at Achan, there's even another step that happens. Because it wasn't just Achan that had to pay a price. If you read through those verses, it says, Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar. I keep reading. His sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. It wasn't just Achan who lost his life that day. It was Achan and his family. That his sons and his daughters died on that day because of what their father had chosen. And you think, well, that's not fair. I wonder. If we lived in a tent, I guess it would be a pretty big tent, wouldn't it? And I came in after the battle and I had a few things that I was wrapped up in a robe and I dug a hole in the middle of the tent and buried some things and covered it up. How many people living in that tent would know that I had buried something in the tent? It's, 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 not just, it's not like a house where you can have something in a far closet, a tent. So whether or not the family had kept the secret themselves, had, had repeated the lie themselves... He made them accessories in the crime. And because they had become accessories that they paid a price. But you you listen to, to God's description of this. He takes it another level. He says the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. The Israelites. And we might say, wait a minute, Lord. Achan did it. But God says the Israelites. In verse 10, Israel has sinned and violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. Israel has sinned. They have taken some of the devotees. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. And when you hear that, what you hear is that Israel, not because of something, oh, they did it, so everybody, it's like we have a, they had a community responsibility to be aware of what was going on and to know that we are responsible to God for all of this. Think about it from our perspective. One of us may do something that we shouldn't do. Does God give us, all of us together, some responsibility for the one? We know the one has to account for their sin. But God gives us a responsibility as well because we're supposed to be aware of each other and know what's going on in life. We're supposed to be there in each other's lives to speak up and say, that's, that's not right. We need to get you back to where you need to be. We need to be involved in each other's lives to where the point that we were able to draw a line that says, this is not what God has in mind for us. That we have a group responsibility as well. And so the, the little things where we may say it's no big deal, the little things can impact a person, but it also impacts a family and impacts a church because of what it does to us.
So what do we do? The next attempt to AI, what happens? Chapter 8, they go in to AI, they go to AI, everybody goes. And they go in and they set a, a, an ambush and they act like they're running away when the, the guys come out of AI and then they, when they get so far away, they set the ambush, they turn around and they have an overwhelming victory, Israel does. Now, the reason is this. There's two phrases. The reason they won wasn't because they were so smart and they were so strong and they knew what to do. The reason that they were able to win was because they they followed this, this phrase. Then the Lord said, and they did what God said. In verse 18, then the Lord said, and they did what God said. And that's at the root of it. It wasn't just because they were bigger and stronger. It was because God said, and they, God was with them in all of that. And that phrase, that important phrase, that if we're going to, if we're going to take seriously the little things in life, if we're going to take seriously those things we might dismiss, what will keep us from dismissing the little sins that are in our lives, that are around us, is when we'll listen, when we listen to God. If we'll listen to what God says, we know that those little things matter. If we'll listen to God, He says our words matter. If we listen, we listen to God, He says we know that the attitudes of our hearts matter. When we listen to God, we'll know that something that's just a little thing and to us matters because of what God says. And we want Him to be the one to guide us. So we'll take those things seriously. If we get down to the end of chapter 8, we find them, we, Joshua builds an altar and they, they put a burnt offering upon it to offer to God and fellowship offerings to offer to God. And we might in our mind's eye first think, oh, they're being thankful to God because they've finally been victorious. They're back on the right track. But in reality, what's going on there isn't thankfulness. They, they are thankful, I think. But there's something more going on. Because in the burnt offering and the fellowship offering, there's emphasizing their relationship to God. Not their thankfulness, their relationship to God. Because the burnt offering is symbolizing I'm giving my whole self to God. The fellowship offering is I'm walking with God. And so in 32 to 35, we find them doing this. They're gathered up and one on one mount, one on the other mount. And that Joshua begins to read the law. Now, if you'll go back to where this happened the first time, we'll find that as they stand on those two sides of those mountains, that every time the law is read, that the people would say amen to every curse, to every law. They agreed, this is what we'll do, and this is what happens when we break that law. They echo that, and they give that affirmation out loud, saying, this is true, this is what we want to do. And as they stand there, they rededicate themselves to serve God completely and to follow Him by what he says fully in every way. And for us, if we're going to, if we're going to take small things seriously, that's the attitude that we need to have, that we need to renew and recommit ourselves to being God's completely in every aspect of our lives. So that there's nothing within us, nothing in our hearts, nothing in our minds, nothing in our lives that is outside of God's control. That we've surrendered our full selves to him. Every bit. So that the words we speak are His. So that the actions that we do are for Him. That the attitudes we carry in our hearts are are to honor and glorify Him. That every part of us 
is his. Whether or not we're here or at school, at work, wherever, at home, wherever we are, we are his 100%. And then those things that we might think of as little, we'll see that we don't want them there because that takes something away from our life to God. Think about it this way. There was a fellow once who owned a house in Haiti. He, he wanted to sell it. $2,000. And the gentleman who wanted to buy the house didn't have $2,000. So the man who was selling it said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll sell it to you for $1,000, but I'm going to keep ownership of one nail above the door. A nail that stuck out. The guy who was buying the house agreed. Oh, good deal. He had $1,000 to to be able to buy it. He got a house. Why do you need that one nail? Well, the guy that had sold the house decided later he wanted to buy it back. And he goes to the man who had bought it from him, and the man says, No, no, we live here now. So the man who had originally owned it went, found some roadkill, and went and hung it on that nail. Well, after a while, you know, you have something, a a dead animal of some kind hanging off your front door. After a while, it's hard to live in the house. And finally, the man who lived there and his family moved out because they couldn't take it anymore. The stench was too bad. The flies were overwhelming. When we live our lives and don't pay attention to what we think of as small things. We're giving Satan just a little bit of a foothold. And in that little foothold, we, we open ourselves up to, to all kinds of things because we've taken some part of our lives and not given it to God. On a regular basis, we probably ought to stop and look at ourselves. Honestly, say, are my words that I speak, are they really honoring to God? Do I carry around in me an attitude that shows who God is in my life? Am I living for Him in every part of my life? And as we look at that, we we then are able to see I've had this creep in. I don't want to be that. I don't want those words to come out of my mouth. And we we renew our dedication to God. We ded- rededicate ourselves to Him. We renew our promises to Him. We we want to be His fully and completely. We say, Lord, I don't want that. I want to be Yours. And it may be this morning you need to do that. To be able to say, I've let a little... Let a, some things creep in and into my heart, into my life, and I don't want them anymore. And we'll pray together and with you and for you to help you be God's fully in every way. It, it may be that today you've been looking at what, what your life has been, and you know that's not where you want to be or where God wants you to be. And you need to make a change to admit that God was right all along, and to give your whole life to Him through Christ by being buried with Him in baptism. If you need to respond this morning for any reason,
Would you come now as we stand and sing?